Ugh, I'm just gonna roll a d20 now. Just to feel something. Happy death day to you. Happy death day to you. I'm uh, not finishing it. Finally, I can rest. <laughs> uh, yeah, the amount of t- amount of times I've said, please just kill me. <laughs> and this is finally happening. Mm-hmm. And I woke up today, so that means it's a day. doesn't necessarily mean it's a good day, but it does mean it's a day. True. Live each day as if it were your last. Because sometimes it's just always your last day. I guess that's the tagline of this, right? Yeah, I guess so. Hey babe. Yeah, babe. Hey babe. Yeah, babe. Remember that time we watched A Happy Death Day? You mean the 2017 horror film that has been described as Groundhog Day meets Scream? I do mean the very same one. Yep, that's what we're talking about today, folks. Hi, I'm Nicole. I'm Topher. And we're the Horror Babes. Correct. Today will be the normal format, and if you're new here, that means that Topher will take us through who made this thing, shout out the cast and the crew, and then I'll take us through the plot, and then in our third section, we will dive deeper into said plot. So, Topher, who made this thing? Well, since you mentioned Scream, not Wes Craven. Correct. Uh, he's dead, so he definitely could not have. Yes. It was directed by Christopher Landon. This is really his biggest kind of film that he's had out there. Uh, mm-hmm. He also did do Scout's Guide to the Apoc- to the Zombie Apocalypse, though, which is another like sort of fun, goofy movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and goofy he- movie. <laughs> uh, <Stand out>. <laughs> <laughs> I know you guys are in it for yeah. my random outbursts of songs that have nothing to do with the movie. <laughs> Um, but he did also write Disturbia, the sort of rear window remix yeah. starring uh, Shia LaBeouf, and wrote the Paranormal Activity series. Did he write the uh, Rihanna song Disturbia? I do not think he did. Okay. But I don't know. Rihanna's a billionaire now. Yep. Did you see that? I did. And uh, the best joke I've seen about it was from Ify Wadiway saying, I was trying to eat uh, Rihanna before she was a billionaire. Oh, God. <laughs> He's so thirsty, and I love it. That's really funny. That's a good joke. That is a good joke. It, it, blip, 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 blip. If he's very funny. Uh, it was written by Scott Lobdell. This is, yeah, definitely his most famous thing that he's written on. Uh, unless you saw Man of the House. <laughs> I've heard of it. I don't think I've seen it. I have. It's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. Uh, we have, as our cast, Jessica Roth, or Rothy. I don't know how to say her last name. I'm very sorry. I always butcher names. Uh, but she stars as Tree Gelman, our protagonist here. She looks a lot like Blake Lively. Very Blake Lively. Yeah. To the point that when I saw this trailer you four years ago, I thought it was Blake Lively. Yeah. Uh, Israel Bouchard as Carter Davis, her love interest. Ruby Modine as Lori Spangler, one of the uh, her housemates, her sorority sister. Charles Aitken as Gregory Butler. Lori Clifton as Stephanie Butler. Jason Bale as her dad, David Gelman. Uh, Rob Mello as the very, very terrifying John Toombs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rachel Matthews as Danielle Boosman. Um, yeah, that's basically the that's the cast that we spend time with. Mm-hmm. Uh, cinematography was from Toby Oliver. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really, really like how this was shot. But do you know who? what else he shot? What else? Get Out. Oh, nice. This movie also has really strong editing, so we're definitely going to shout out the editor here. That's Gregory Plotkin, who also worked on, guess what movie? What movie? Get Out. 
get out. <laughs> get out of here. But he also directed uh, one of the paranormal activities. Okay. Which is interesting. Yeah, the editor and director sort of combo is always fun. This is another Bloomhouse production. Uh, Jason Bloom just throwing money at everything to make a bunch of money so he can make cool shit. <laughs> Pretty much, <laughs> or put yeah. money that's... behind cool shit. Uh, we talked about that with The Purge. Sometimes you gotta yeah. do a cash grab, I guess. Yeah, and you know, there's nothing wrong with a with a cash grab when it helps you make movies like Get Out, which was the same year. Get Out! <laughs> uh, it's a really tight runtime, 96 minutes, including credits. So it's just, it gets in, gets out, does the job, right? Yeah. Uh, cost about $4.8 to make, which is a pretty small budget for something like this. And yeah, made back $125.5 million. Yeah. Um, it's funny, they announced it in 2007, so it definitely would have been Blake Lively <laughs> if they had done it then. Oh, for sure, for sure. I think that's why Tree is the way she is. I'm pretty sure she had, like, it was written with Blake Lively in mind. It had to have been. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they called it, uh, the, the working title was Half to Death. And this Happy Death Day is a much better title. I was title. say, I think that, I think that's, um, a way better title because it gives you exactly what the movie's going to be about. Mm-hmm. Halfway to Death could be anything it's very yeah. vague but happy death day i'm like okay that, that kind of gives me a sense of what's gonna happen right and there is a sequel that came out uh 2019 happy death day to you there are more planned as far as i understand it um yeah that they really want to go and play he said uh with the second one he really wanted to play with a back to the future type genre okay or like subgenre with horror yeah, yeah, yeah so that they don't retread the original plot yeah, I haven't heard anything else about the a third yeah. one other than that they want to do one. Well, kind of seems like they're just waiting on a script to come together. Yeah, and also you know COVID happened. Exactly, I'm sure it's happening. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's delayed everything. So right makes sense. Yeah, um, I don't really have much else to say with the uh, production other than there were some cool little things that happened with it um even though the movie is rated pg-13 and we'll talk about that they have a uh, the the scene where she walks through campus just fully nude mm-hmm. and uh shocking everybody and so even though she wasn't going to be seen she wanted to do it fully nude she just said i could she's like she could have been wearing a bandeau and underwear but she said nah i'm gonna do this because i right. want to good um, for her yeah. you know if, if she wanted to do it then fucking do it Right, and it was funny because they were shooting on an active college campus um, in Louisiana. And so they were, like, trying to, like, they had to get so many shots since they were on location, but trying to get, like, around everybody, which is a a production nightmare. Let me go ahead and tell you, having to light and move camera and lay dolly track and run steady cam and all of that shit while trying to do that is I just, like, I squirm every time I think about (laughs) having to do that. I can only imagine that must have been not the best. <laughs> yeah, I would not want to. I would not like to have been on the crew of this movie. I can say that no. I've worked some weird shoots and I've worked some difficult shoots, and I'm very glad that I was not part of this. <laughs> I would have quit. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, that's really all I have for now. You want to give us some some plot? No. Okay. <laughs> Deuces. I've been Topher. That's been Nicole. We're the horror babes. Bye, Wait, babes. I already- I already did that joke. Oh, God, it's like the movie. I'm doing it all over again. Am I living the same day over and over again? I don't know. I mean, during quarantine, it certainly felt that way. Anyway, so we're in college. Woo! Woo! I'm finally 18. Oh, my God. We're the, we're the least enthusiastic. Woo! <laughs> no, my friends have always made fun of me for, like, 
if I'm going to something and I'm like genuinely excited about it, here's how I express it. I know I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm the same way. I have and everyone I, my always calls so me fucked. out for it. They're like, "Could you be any more like like if if you were any more <laughs> chill, you'd be dead." I'm like, "Well, that's just me." Yeah, at least I have an excuse. I'm on the spectrum. What's yours? I'm just dead inside. Ah, beautiful, great. Yeah. So anyway, speaking of death, um, <laughs> so we're in college. Yay! Woo. Um, woohoo! We're after a night of intense drinking, uh, we've got, uh, we meet Teresa or Tree, who you already brought up. She wakes up on her birthday in the room of Carter Davis. They, it's implied that, you know, they've had a one night stand sort of, yeah, sort of situation. Um, she ignores a call from her dad and, um, she has this whole conversation with Carter, like, Tylenol. I need Tylenol yeah. or whatever. And then he gives it to her. She leaves and goes back to her room. Uh, she's in a sorority, we find out. Uh, we meet her terrible housemates, including Lori, who gives her a cupcake. Lori seems nice. She seems very sweet. Seems. And she throws it away. Too many carbs. Which, <laughs> PSA carbs are not bad for you. But anyway, um, I'm not here to talk about that. Uh, Tree meets up with her professor who is married, oh, oh, oh. Uh, Gregory Butler, and she's ha- he's having a- an affair with her. Um, and then we skip to that night on her way to a party. She's lured into a tunnel and then she's murdered by a figure wearing a mask of the school mascot, which we're in Louisiana, so it's that creepy baby thing. It's a king baby. Yeah. So then she immediately wakes up uh, back in Carter's bed and it's the same situation plays out. So we're like, as audience members, we're like, okay, so it's like a Groundhog Day situation. Right. So she relives the whole day, but she avoids the tunnel and gets to the party. But then this time, um, the masked killer follows her and ends up murdering her again. You can't escape your fate. So then Tree wakes up again in Carter's bed. She's like, oh my God, I'm in a time loop. And she barricades herself in a room. She places, you know, the dresser against the door, things on the windows, etc. She's trying to avoid death. Um, but eventually, as again I said, you can't avoid your fate. Uh, the killer hiding inside her room mm-hmm. murders her for a third time. So then she wakes up and she ex- finally is like, okay, I need to tell somebody. So she explains it to Carter. He is like, oh, this is what you need to do. If this is, if I believed you, here's what it is. Yeah. You need to take advantage of the loop and try to identify who's killing you. So... She, I think we get, do we get a, do we get a montage? Yes, we do get a montage We get a nice montage moment. I love a montage moment where she's trying to like figure out who her killer is and she keeps, you know, things keep happening and and keeps getting killed even though she thinks that she's, you know, found her killer. Turns out not so much. Yeah. Every time she wakes up, she's like, all right, new name off the list. Yeah. This is also where we find out that uh, she and Carter did not sleep together. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, like, no, we never we never did that, blah, 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 because she kind of accuses him of taking advantage of her. And he was like, no, I just brought you back to mine and you slept in the other bed. Well, it's even better. It it plays off even better than that, where she is like, did we do? And he's like, no, dude, you were drunk as shit. That would be wrong. Yeah. So at least someone said that. Yeah. Um, But (laughs) consent is important. And finally, a fucking movie realized it. Right. 
So at some point after, I think it's after she gets hit so hit over the head or something, um, she faints and wakes up in the campus hospital. And this is when she discovers that uh, the scary fact that her body is keeping score of yeah. everything that's happening, even though she dies and then comes back to life, her body is keeping score of the whole thing. Yeah, like her lungs show a bunch of trauma. He's like, it's her her boo, the doctor, who's like, uh, you look like you've been recovering from serious stab wounds that all would have been fatal. What the fuck? Yeah. So then when the, the killer shows up in the hospital, she escapes in um, Gregory's car, but she, again, can't avoid her fate, and she's killed again. Yeah, she gets pulled over by the cop, and this that's the this funniest is a, scene. This is probably one of my favorite scenes. Um, I think it's one of the more clever ones. It really where, is. Where, you know, as audience members, you're positioned to root for her, and then you think that she's made her escape. Like, you actually are invested, or at least I was. I was invested at this point, and when it's the fake-out of she's not safe, mm-hmm. and and it's, it's it sucks. No, yeah, because it's a great scene where she's like, oh, I can... She's like, oh, shit, okay, I got pulled over. I'm drunk over. as hell. I'm on all these drugs. I'm on Take pills. me to jail, yeah. yeah. And she's like, if I'm in jail, then I would be safe. Yeah. So, yeah, and then, of course, the cop gets run over by the killer in a big old SUV. Yeah, in one of the only jump scares in the whole thing. And it's really, it's earned. I love this one, yeah. No, 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 it's good. This is probably one of my favorite scenes, like I said. Um, So then we're back in Carter's bed. She convinces him by, you know, showing off her knowledge of the events that keep happening. Like, you know, she'll say the sprinkler's about to go off. Uh, that car alarm's gonna sound off, and you know it's sprinkler. That guy's gonna pass out. All yeah. the, all these things. So, so then she kind of get you know she she's broken down. She gets she gets really real with Carter. She opens up to him, saying mm-hmm. that her mother passed, and she's been pushing her father away ever since her her mother passed like three years ago and she hates herself like all these things she hates her birthday because it was really important to her because she and her mom had the same birthday birthday. so then while they're sharing this uh lovely moment in like a diner i think they're in a diner yeah um the news is on and tree sees a report on this man named john tombs who's a serial killer being held at the campus hospital so then she's like that's him he's totally the one killing me so she heads to the hospital to warn everyone that he's gonna escape tombs does break free and almost kills tree but carter follows and then ends up rescuing her uh, Tombs kills Carter before chasing Tree to a nearby bell tower, and she pretty she hits him with a crowbar. Yeah, it's a real good final girl thing here. Yeah, definitely. Then while she's you know beating the shit out of this guy, she kind of realizes that if she kills him and ends the loop, Carter will remain dead forever. Mm-hmm. So she decides to go to the top of the tower and hangs herself, restarting the loop. Right. And as the loop restarts, she's like, "Oh, thank God he's alive again." And she's pretty confident that she's found her murderer. She is pretty happy through the day. Um, She goes and quote unquote writes all her wrongs. She ends the affair with Dr. Butler. She meets her dad for lunch. They start to reconcile. Yeah, she wants to get. She wants this to be the final loop, and it wants and wants it to go well. Yeah. So then that night she heads to the hospital. In again, like you were saying, that was kind of the beginning of our final girl moment. This is mm-hmm. our real final girl moment. Even though she's kind of been the only girl this whole time, but but it has know. it's it's a well used final girl trope. But Definitely. it's a it's a, a different version of it. Yeah, yeah, and it's clever. So she goes to the hospital. She traps and ends up killing Tombs. 
Um, she assumes that she's free. She celebrates her birthday in Carter's room and eats the cupcake that Lori gave her. And then she wakes up in the loop again. Yep. So she's completely beside herself, uh, terrified, and she returns to her room with the intent to basically run away. And then Lori offers her the cupcake again, and she realizes that the previous loop was the only time she had ever actually eaten the cupcake. And she's like, I died in my sleep. So she realizes, which I get, I, I, I called it early on in the movie. I was like, I was like, it's Lori. Yeah. It's Lori. Um, yeah, the tombs is a nice red herring, but it's, it's obviously Lori. It's obviously Lori. Which is fun. You know, this whole movie is pretty fun, but I definitely, it felt predictable to me. Right. Anyway, so Lori had definitely poisoned the cupcake, but then when Tree didn't eat it, Lori used her job as a nurse at the hospital to frame Tombs for her murder. Right. So Tree threatens to take the cupcake to the police. Lori attacks her. Lori admits to also having an affair with Dr. Butler. Um... So, but he likes Tree more. Yeah. So it drove her insane with jealousy, and Tree ends up stuffing the poisoned cupcake in Lori's mouth while they're in a fight, and kicks her out a second-story window where she obviously dies. Because mm-hmm. who could survive that? Well, second story's um, not that bad, but poison cupcake plus, be- plus broken bag. Bro- yeah. yeah. Not gonna not gonna heal from that. So then we cut to, they're at a restaurant. Tree and Carter are kind of like, this This shit's been crazy, man. This shit's been crazy. And he uh, says, you can come back to my room for the night if you don't want to be alone. Um, the next day, Tree wakes up believing she's still in the time loop, but it's Carter just playing a prank on her, which I was like, that's rude. That was rude as fuck. I don't fuck. like that I was shit. not happy with that. That's not a good prank. Um, it was not funny. Yeah. But... She's kind of too relieved to actually be angry at him. They share a kiss and they live happily happily ever after. Yeah, Yeah. now she's going to have his babies. And that's that's it. That's the end of that movie. That is the end of the movie. Yeah. So like I said, it's, it's, um, it's a fairly predictable movie, but it's fun. I wouldn't consider it scary. Um, no, but it's clever. Yeah, I kind of think the better version of this, though, is that movie Palm Springs with um, Andy Samberg. Totally. And um, why am I blanking on her name? I love her. Oh, uh, Kristen Milioti. Yeah, I think that that movie is actually a better version of this. And one of the main reasons that I think that is the way that women are viewed in this film Mm-hmm. I'm just going to come right out the gate with the thing I talk about every time on this podcast. Yeah. So this is your classic case of a woman being punished for being sexual. Yeah. Everything, all of the behavior that Tree is exhibiting that is deemed like harmful or wrong. Self-destructive. Is, self-destructive is her being sexual with people right it's not it's like obviously she's in college she drinks a lot but like they're not centering it around anything else other than her being quote-unquote sexually devious um a a, a slut a slut in college terms i would say in college you don't want to be a slut i say once you once you're out of college be a slut baby Go for it. I th- I think it's a it's a good thing. But anyway, yeah. So so it just feels like this movie is again punishing 
a woman, and I guess that's where Groundhog Day meets Scream comes in, right? Because Scream is, um, Nev Campbell ends up breaking that cycle. But yeah, so I don't love that message from this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, That's kind of what makes it feel like a network made this yeah yeah it's it's and we keep saying blake lively it's gossip girl it is with a little more tongue-in-cheek and this has been our unintentional theme of this month it's just kind of (laughs) happened where every movie that we've watched um with the intention of talking about on this podcast i've been like man this feels like you know if the cw made you know or or like whatever lifetime hallmark whatever Yeah. yeah i think we've named a couple of networks this whole month and that's Truly what this also felt like. Yeah, Shaun of the Dead's the outlier. <laughs> yeah, that one. Yeah, that's the only outlier. You're right. And then my my second point to this movie is kind of ridiculous in its views of women is Lori's motive. Right. It's so fucked up. It's this whole, it's this, we've seen it before. We've seen it time and time again of women being pitted against each other because of a man. Mm-hmm. And in this case, it's Dr. Butler. Um, Who's not even that cute? No, they never are. Come on. They never are. They're never worth it. No. I've never, ever thought that one was worth that. So I don't I don't really love the idea that Lori's whole motive is driven by this man enjoying Tree's company more. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. I don't... He's, he's already... Men are always put on this pedestal when they're the ones doing something that's wrong. Like, he is married. He made a commitment to someone, and both of these women are are single. Yes. And also, students. You know? So Mm -hmm. he's the one doing something wrong, and yet he's suffering zero consequences. And yet, Tree is being targeted by Lori to be killed, and then Lori ends up being killed all over this stupid doctor who's the one who's doing all of the wrong things. These women are free to do whatever they want. They're single. Yeah. And... Again, he's he's a, a teacher at this university. Yeah, and yeah, and he's Lori's boss, and like yeah, there 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 are numerous so reasons why it's why why it's unethical, and it's his fault. Yes, it's not their fault at all, and yet he's put on this pedestal of like, oh, I'm gonna kill someone for you, you know? Right, and that's kind of what Lori's doing, so that Tree will be quote unquote out of the way, mm-hmm. and I'm like. Ma'am, he's still married. You think that everyone's out of the way if you, you know? So that's why I kind of, I, this movie is fun, but I don't love anything it's trying to say. No, not at all. Um, And it's especially because, like, the villain is a woman of color. And then the only other people of color in the movie are Mm -hmm. the um, Eastern Asian woman, uh, sorority sister, sitting there. Yes. Being very kawaii. Oh, yeah. And who gets traumatized at the end of the movie because she watches Lori die. She does. She's a rush, I think they said. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then the pervy Asian stereotype with uh, Carter's roommate. Oh, that's right. And, like, that's that's it. So it's two weird, unnecessary stereotypes and the villain. Yeah. That's it for people of color in the film. And, That's it. And it's so unfortunate, but that is so typical. Yeah, and I think it was for, completely accidental, of course, but like, for pay the fuck ac- attention. Yeah, for films across the board, not even just horror films, for films across the board, that tends to be um, 
Either that and, and I'll add in like the best friend sidekick type, the silly yes. type yeah. that ends up being normally a, a person of color. Yes. But like it, I, the other the other kind of smaller message I really don't enjoy in this is like if you reconcile or not if you reconcile, if you you, you can find all the happiness you're looking for in another person like the yeah. the end result isn't her like going to therapy it's not really her she might say that she, i can't remember if she implies that she's going to seek help or something i'm I, not sure I, I remember something like that yeah she might have she might have said it to her dad that she's going to go see a therapist i'm not sure but the the main message when it comes to that though is that like she finds carter and he quote unquote saves her and then uh, like she's just jumping into this relationship with him and yeah. it's like she's cured of her sluttiness i yeah, guess yeah. you know like and i just i don't i i hate all of that again this was a fun movie and i would definitely recommend it to people who it's enjoy a really good that time, sort yeah. of thing it's it but when you peel back the layers i think it's yeah, really yeah i bad. wouldn't peek inside it's a little bit rotten once you get in the inside yeah um yeah no i there's a lot of things about this movie that i think are great but they're mostly the technical things like the story the story is good the yeah the motivations are weird and it's needed i think another pass yeah and that is why it feels yeah like a like some sort of uh, cable yeah, made for TV movie. Mm-hmm. Um, not least of all because it's rated PG thirteen, and many listeners of the podcast will know that I have an issue with PG thirteen horror films generally. Yeah, I think they're viewed as safe, easy bets to get the teen market. Yeah, I think that's stupid. I agree. Um, not that they shouldn't exist. Yeah, but we've covered some other ones like um, Final Girls. Mm-hmm. Is PG thirteen. Yeah. And would have been better if it had been rated R. Yeah, that's the uh, thing. Is That we're... movie's not great in general. It's another one that's fun, but it's not good. Yeah. Um, this is good, It's and it's fun. It's just not it, it morally questionable, <laughs> to say the very least. Yeah. But no, I mean that it I would have... What am I trying to say? I, I have a problem with PG-13 movies, because or horror films, because they don't... While I do always argue for more access to the genre, yeah. they don't give you what the genre is. I'm not talking about gore and sex. I am talking about gore. Mostly gore. I think that what you can use, how you can use gore to enhance the fear in films mm-hmm. is something I've, I've talked about a lot on this podcast. Shock and fucking auto for love's gore. <laughs> but uh, it's in, I like that it's, I like when it's used well, right? Yeah. And yes, they're overly, unnecessarily gory films. Looking at you, Eli Roth. Yeah, yeah. How are you so hot and such a weird director? (laughs) But this movie could have really benefited from that. Being able to explore the theme in a darker way would have really helped it. I agree, because this is another one where, um, kind of similar to The Purge, where I think that the idea... The idea is obviously a, a, a fun one, because so many people have recreated it like Mm -hmm. from groundhog day um they even nod groundhog day at this you know he's like what you've never seen that movie like you told that's totally what you just experienced yeah so people and and then palm springs again um sorry if you have not seen it but it's been out for a long ass time but kind of has the same idea yeah so obviously the idea is very interesting to people or else this it's nietzsche's a theory of eternal recurrence yeah yeah so you it wouldn't be 
made into so many different narratives if it wasn't. But I, I completely agree with you. I think that this should have gone for the R rating. Yeah, I agree. And the original version was. Yeah. Um, they walked it back. Uh, the director, uh, so Scott Lobdell, uh, who wrote it, originally thought it was should be rated R. And uh, Landon, the director, said, no, I want it to be PG-13. And I think it was because of the accessibility thing. And there's also probably some producer pushback there. I think you're totally right. I think they're like, if this is going to be, you know, an, whether it was an intentional or an, an, or, or an unintentional money grab, if it's going to be a money grab, you got to make it more accessible. Yeah. And so. it's, it's, it's the same conversation we have a lot of, around a lot of properties. Um, but yeah, being able to explore those darker themes in a darker way mm-hmm. would have benefited this movie, I think. Um, it, it just feels, it is, it feels kitty. It is kitty. You mm-hmm. know, like K- K-I-D, not T. Uh, mm-hmm. But it, it, it's made for teens and I love that. That's a good thing to exist and it's not necessarily made for me. And so I can't complain that it's not made for me when it wasn't made for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that would be stupid. But I think, it, yeah, it, 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 like Scream, it really could have benefited from a little, like Scream is rated R, this is not. It Scream's a better movie because it's able to explore those themes in a darker way. Yeah. You're able to use that tone a little more. Totally. And that's all I mean to say about, I, I've got a lot of thoughts about PG-13 horror films. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, they're not made for me, and I know that. Um, that's true. You I'm, are not I'm, the target market. I'm over market. 30. Yeah. You are not the target market. That's <laughs> Even when for I sure. was a kid, I didn't feel like they were made for me. But mm-hmm. that's just me being a pretentious prick. But yeah, so would like to go a little bit into the positive sides of this now. Yeah. Um, one fun connection it does have to Scream, since we keep saying that movie, uh, the costume designer is the same guy who designed the baby mask. Mm-hmm. Same guy who designed the ghost face mask. Oh, fun. Right? Yeah. It's fun, isn't it? It's nice. Very good at making terrifying masks. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> um, yeah, so Scott Lobdell, who wrote it, right? He's uh, mostly been a comic book writer, and he is not a great person. Um, <laughs> he's a very good writer, but he's not, I don't like him as a person. Okay. Um, but he, yeah, he was came with this idea because he was like, yeah, I really want to play with slasher genre tropes. And he's like, yeah, slasher films open up with the mean girl getting killed and the good girl living. How do I make that the same person? And that's such a clever idea. That's a no, great totally thought. No, totally is, yeah. Um, and I think he did a good job of it, and that's why we have Tree there. Yeah. Um, it sucks the Carter thing was not actually in the original script. Mm. They added it to humanize Tree. I don't think she needed that. I, I already, don't either. I already felt, like I said, when she, I, I was very invested by the time she almost escaped. Yeah. Um, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm always usually my pendulum is always swinging the other way where I'm like, I needed something more to feel connected to this person. Maybe it's just because I've been a woman in college and I can, sure. you know, and, and the fake friends that come along with that sometimes, mm-hmm. like may, maybe it's because I can just immediately sympathize with that. But I don't know. I didn't really need much more to I really, didn't either. really be invested in her as a character. Yeah. I never really need a romance plot. I, I, don't, yeah. I don't. Um, I was just watching. I don't watching. think that that provides worth. Yeah, you know? I've, I've been, I was catching up on some uh, Ryan Johnson movies that I love, or I, sorry, that I hadn't seen, because I love Ryan Johnson. He's one of my favorite directors. Um, but I was watching Looper, because I, I just had forgotten that I hadn't seen it, mm-hmm. right? Because I know so much about it. I was like, oh, yeah, I've totally seen It's one of those movies that you're like, I've totally seen this. And then you're like, oh, wait, no, no, I haven't. Um, so... Yeah, um, so Johnson typically doesn't have romance plots in his films. Mm-hmm. 
and I can see why he's bad at it. Right. Um, it felt very shoved into Looper, mm-hmm. and it felt very shoved into Last Jedi. Yeah. Um, both of which he wrote and directed, and so like, yeah, I I can see why he doesn't write romance plots, and I think he knows better than that now. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, because he's just it's like everybody has weaknesses, you know. There's everybody's gonna have blind spots and what they're good at and what they're not. For sure. And recognizing being a good writer so often is recognizing what you're good, uh, recognizing what you're not good at, it and just not doing it. Yeah. Unless you want to, and then you improve on it. You yeah. know, you work at it. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, so that's it. Yeah, shoving that uh, Carter character and the Carter storyline in just felt. It, it. I felt when I was watching it, it was like this feels phoned in. Yeah. And then I find out that it was. <laughs> yeah, and it was like someone there to be like a weird knight in shining armor, which we just, we didn't need. Like she, I think maybe also what made me feel connected to her immediately is that she, she was holding back a lot. Like you can tell yeah. as a character, she it was very disconnected from anybody. I'm not even, again, I'm fine with people feeling sexually liberated and all of those things. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the way that she carried herself. Mm-hmm. I could tell that she was trying so hard to be strong. And I think that that was enough, at least for me, that's a big enough nugget for me to attach myself to someone to be like, okay, you're going to be like an interesting character for us to follow. I'm invested. Right. I didn't need, I didn't need the knight in shining armor. I kind of was confident in her being able to take care of her own shit from the beginning, you know? Absolutely, yeah. No, and I think that that's, that's really where the movie slips up the most in the story is, yeah. yeah, yeah, treating him like a knight in shining armor when he barely did anything. Yeah. Which um, and like having him be a gal fr- <laughs> I mean, come on. Men doing the least and uh, getting all the credit, yeah. Again, I'm going to say it again. If you're playing a drinking game with this, prepare the shot. The bar is in hell. <laughs> Oh yeah, every single time. Yeah, so I when I will talk about we should round out on things we love about the movie though. And the editing in this is so crisp. Yeah. It's so well done. Yeah. I've been listening a lot to uh I I've mentioned the Small Beans podcast network before on our podcast. And I've brought up uh, the specific podcast that they do, a show that they do called Direct to Peace Theater. I mentioned it in our uh, uh not I Saw the Devil. God, I can never remember the name of this movie. Drag Me to Hell. Oh, okay. I can never remember the name of that movie. So I brought up a Director Beast Theater in that one because they were talking, it was, that, that was some of the research I was doing for um, how the Raimi shot is constructed or the Raimi sequence is constructed. Mm-hmm. So I've been, I was binging them the other day when I was doing all my chores around the house. <laughs> and I was just listening to them talk about editing and I was just like, fuck, yeah. Like good editing just means so much. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's been on my brain lately. Yeah. And so everything I've watched since then, I'm just like, I've been hyper-focused on editing lately. Mm -hmm. And so thinking back about this and watching this again, I was like, yeah, man, the editing is really, really crisp in this. Like, the way they get around the shots. Yeah. And it takes a lot. Like, anytime you do these recurrence movies, those shots are so hard to get right. Yeah, I didn't even think about that until, like, just now. But it it makes total sense. The... You know, a lot of people love to catch continuity errors in movies. Yeah, this one's this one's even harder unless I guess you shoot all of those scenes back to back to back. Yeah, so like they had to shoot all the ones in um, Carter's room in two days. Yeah, because you're shooting like film. You can take longer to shoot with. This is something I was talking about actually last night. Um, 
or the, on uh, Tuesday with a friend of mine who also does film work. Um, we were talking about like, yeah, I've shot when you're when you're an indie when you're an indie filmmaker, mm-hmm. um, you have to shoot way the fuck more because you don't have any money. Yeah. Uh, so your usual shoot day for a film is about two or three pages a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're doing like really small scale stuff that you're trying to get like squeeze every dollar out of, you can. Yeah. Or squeeze every minute out of every dollar you have. Mm-hmm. You'll shoot like eight or nine pages in a day. Yeah. And it's awful. It's a 14-hour day. But <laughs> um, with this, they it, you can tell that they really were like, let's go, let's go. Because $4.8 million is a pretty small budget. Mm. Like, compared to what these other films cost to make. Yeah. Like, that's that's small budget these days. Right. Especially for something that they're expecting to make a big return, which it did. Mm-hmm. But that just me- that makes it all the more impressive that they shot this movie on 4.8. Being able to... But yeah, it just makes it all the more impressive they shot this for $4.8 million just because it's such a tight shoot. Yeah, and I, I certainly enjoyed the technical aspects of it. And again, like the jump scares are earned and the jump scares are really well executed, which is um, like they know how to build suspense and it's not just from... They they built a really great atmosphere through editing and yes. and and all of the the in the cinematography and everything like that. Like I wasn't there's some movies that I watch where I'm like, okay, this movie is like an hour and a half. We started it at eleven, so it'll be over at twelve thirty. It's yeah. twelve o'clock now. <laughs> there's only thirty. You know, like I tend to do that, and I didn't do that with this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I never was looking at my watch or my phone during this. I was having a really good time. I was, yeah. I was absorbed. It was, it's very engrossing as a movie, and a lot of that does go to uh, Jessica Rothy. Like, it's, yeah, she's a fantastic actor. She's very funny. Yeah, very good at like sassy dickhead, but charming. Yeah, and I love the idea that our that like she's not a perfect person. Right. That our Hoopastank. <laughs> Person. Oh God! Um, I never meant to do those things to you. <laughs> no, I, I, I like the idea. And all the that... things I put you through. Okay, this isn't karaoke. Excuse me. I haven't been to karaoke in eighteen months. I know. I know. I'm itching. starved. Um, but no, I like I like the idea that we've got. I mean, all of the sorority girls are terrible people and they're awful um but i do Except like the idea that, that our rush. yeah save yourself now uh <laughs> i i like that we have kind of you know the the quote-unquote mean girl who's imperfect also ends up being our protagonist and our our final girl situation right so yeah this movie definitely has like i said on the surface when you watch it if you're just watching it for a fun time, I think it's great. If you peel back a layer or two, it's kind of like, mm. Yes. And that's kind of my statement on that. Like, that's yeah. my closing statement, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's certainly a movie that, yeah, I would recommend. It is a lot of fun. I had a, I had a blast with it. It's got a lot of problems, but it's none of those are on the technical side. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, again... It it looks fucking great, and I yeah. can't I cannot say that enough how good it looks. It is a very pretty movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's funny. It's another. I was talking with another person I know who also works in film, and we were arguing because I don't like Forrest Gump. 
mm-hmm. because I hate all of this. I hate the story of Forrest Gump. And he's like, Forrest Gump's the perfect movie because the technical aspects are all on point. And I was like, God damn it. This is what happens every time where <laughs> I don't let. And then like, on the, on the other hand, I love Primer. It's one of my favorite movies. It looks like shit because it was shot for zero dollars. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, movies and art, it's a lot of it is about a feeling like I'm I I can say that there are a lot of things that are objectively good mm-hmm. that I despise. Yeah. You know, like it just it happens. Art what comes with art is a feeling. And, you know, even even though that's why a lot of people say, like, the movie sucks, but it's one of my favorites. Yeah. Right. Like it's it's way more than just the technical aspects. The technical aspects certainly help. Sure. Um, and, you know, there is something to be said about an objectively good movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. We're, Fincher's we're, catalog. I don't like Fincher, generally speaking. I was, we were talking about this last night. You and I were. Yeah. Of like, I don't like Fincher because I don't like the way he tells stories. Yeah. He's very good at making movies. Yeah, exactly. They're all technically like near perfection. Don't enjoy them. Yeah. So whenever, whenever there's, if something makes you feel something, then it's it's whatever. Yeah. You yeah. know that that's just a piece of enjoying art, right? You right. can admire and learn about the technical aspects, but sometimes it's more just like that felt comforting to me, or mm-hmm. for some reason it, I just connected with it, or whatever, you know. <laughs> And then there's the people who just do both perfectly, and you're just like, "Fuck you!" Exactly, it's your, a perfect your carpenters, storm. your Raimis, your your Wrights, Bong your Joon-ho. Bong Joon Ho, yeah. Karen Kusama, uh, people we mention on this podcast all the time, all the Ryan time. Johnson. Uh, yeah, like those are the people who are just like you. Just look at them, and you're like, "Wow, okay, so you just you're just very good at movies. Got it. Done. Great. Next level. Thank you. <laughs> Next. I'm glad level. you exist. You just make me mad. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's uh, that's what I got for this week. So thank you guys for listening to us today. If you enjoy what you hear, please go on to iTunes or, you know, wherever and give us a give us a rating, give us a review, and or just tell your friends about us. Oh. That would be that would be so nice. That means the world to us. And it's it's almost spooky season where we're gonna have some really, really fun stuff cooked up for you guys. So uh Yeah, I'm about to die in production hell, but I love it. I do it because I love it. <laughs> and keep an eye out for that on Instagram at Horror Babes Podcast, on Twitter at Horror Babes Pod, and our website, horrorbabespod.com. Also, we love reviews, y'all. I li- I really like hearing from y'all. Yeah, no, I, 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 I like hearing what you guys want to hear more, what, you know, if you want us to shut up about something. I don't know. I probably um, won't. If you tell me to shut up, I'm going to talk about it more. That's I'm an true. Asshole. I might do that too. That you, we both are that person. But, you know, <laughs> we, we love general feedback. We listen to it. We read it all. We take it to heart. So if you've, it, or if you've just got a movie that you're dying to hear us cover, our DMs are always open. Yeah. At all times. So I'm a very open DM since my D&D crew hasn't played in like four months. What does that have to do with anything? You said DMs. Oh my God. <laughs> Anyway, until next time. Bye, Bye, babes. babes.